from West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. Learn more at aarp.org wv. The Charleston Gazette Mail, using its CGM app to deliver the latest news, traffic, and weather alerts, keeping you in the know while you're on the go. Lumos Networks, online at lumosnetworks.com. West Virginia University, online at wvu.edu. Orion Strategies, professional public relations, government affairs, creative services, and research and polling, with offices in Charleston, Buchanan, Martinsburg, Pittsburgh, and Columbus. the legislature today from the state capitol building, a second day of a statewide teacher and school workers walkout over a comprehensive education reform bill. Later in the program, a focus on West Virginia tourism, but first, senior reporter Dave Mistich joins me for an update on these education issues. Welcome, Dave. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, yesterday there was thought of perhaps a reconsideration of, of Senate Bill 451. Tell us what, what happened. Well, you know, as we all know, the teachers were on strike for a second day today. And again, that, re that, uh, that motion to postpone indefinitely 5345 effectively killed the bill. I think unions wanted to make sure that this bill was actually dead. So uh, with that being said, they stuck around, sent them out on the second day of strike. There are some teachers back here at the Capitol. I think, I believe that the House has until the end of their floor session today to reconsider that bill. Not likely to happen, but the, the unions and their members are keeping an eye on everything. All that being said, the, the House is now fast-tracking this uh, House Bill 2730, um, that's the, a clean pay raise bill. It's a, uh, a bill that was offered by Governor Jim Justice, and that cleared the House Finance Committee today. Um, I spoke to Delegate Mick Bates. He's, you know, uh, minority chair of, of finance, a Democrat. Here's what he had to say about that bill moving from House Finance today. We need to pull these two things apart. This, this, this work stoppage was had nothing to do with a pay increase. All right, this is a promise that was made before the election, after the election, at the start of the session. So um, people need to keep these two issues very separate, and we are. But I think that, that by moving on this bill quickly, what we do is we send a message that um, you know th there's, there's good reason to, to call to uh, the work stoppage to an end, and, and for everyone to be back in school tomorrow. And so what's expected next? Well, the House will receive the message that the Finance Committee has cleared this bill. Uh, it was only single reference to finance. So um, there's also going to be a public hearing on House Bill 2730. Again, that's the quote-unquote clean pay raise bill. Um, that will be Friday at 8 a.m. I think a lot of people are expecting this bill to go right through the House and over to the Senate. There are some questions, though. Of course, the Senate was the one that was pushing this big omnibus, this comprehensive education reform package. Some questions whether the Senate will try to quote like so-called Christmas tree this bill up, add some components in uh, beyond these pay raises. I asked Senate President Mitch Carmichael about you know where this bill is headed. Here's what he told me today about this uh, clean quote unquote clean pay raise bill. 
the Senate will address the, uh, any bill that comes from the House. You know, there's, it's always available for amendments. We'll talk amongst ourselves and our uh, colleagues in the minority to see are there things that we can uh, generate in this bill that can be agreed upon that we all recognize need to be accomplished in West Virginia. So, you know, we, we're the eternal optimist here and we want what's best for West Virginia. And so, Dave, will the unions keep their their members off the job? Uh, that that remains to be seen. Again, the House, you know, is about you know set to get it go in uh, at this point. And once they're finished here with this floor session, the unions have called for a news conference to announce whether or not this work stoppage will continue. Um, I think all along, people have have uh, have believed that they, they, now that the bill is killed, that in good faith the teachers might go back to work. I think there are some concerns, and I spoke with you know, some of these union leaders leading up to this. I know that they're polling their members across the state, local presidents, seeing what, where they're at on things. Um, I, it's my understanding that they could pull them out for another strike later down the road if things get complicated, if things get messy with this pay raise bill. But I think from my understanding, the way things sit right now, uh, we're, we're about to find out whether or not school will be back in session tomorrow. All right. Well, you know, Senator Tarr spoke on the uh, Senate floor this morning, uh, praising the Putnam County teachers who, uh, who are still showing up. Putnam County has not closed their doors, uh, are not participating officially in the strike. We'll take a listen to his remarks now. The courage it takes for these people who did not sign up for this kind of conflict to come in and do what they think is right is incredible to me. And it's because they are absolutely putting our children first. So I understand when people think that where they're right, they're right, they're right, and by golly, I'm going to stick to my guns. I got that. I'm that kind of guy, too. I wouldn't be standing up here and speaking if I wasn't. We think what we're doing is right. We know that if we don't do something, then nothing changes. But I tell you, there's some people that are seriously caught up in this that um, I both want to applaud and also pray for. Um, that uh, Senate Resolution 52 honored the 100th anniversary of the West Virginia State Police today. Uh, several remarks honoring our state troopers. We'll just take a listen to one of those. And not only do, do they keep our roadways safe, but they are relentless in going after drug traffickers and violent criminals and monitoring and tracking down sex offenders. It's this agency that keeps us all safe, and this body needs to make sure that it supports this agency as much as it possibly can. It's harder and harder for the state police to recruit. It's hard for all police agencies to recruit new officers. Uh, so we need to make sure that we support them as much as we possibly can. They've got a target on their backs. What they do is dangerous. They run into situations that all of us would run from. And so we need to make sure we keep that in mind as we, as we serve in this Senate. The surge in black lung disease was a focus in the Senate today. This is a progressive pulmonary disease pervasive among coal miners, and there is no cure. But medical treatment can slow down its advancement, and that's what a couple of bills this session would support, Senate Bill 260 and House Bill 2833. These would require insurance providers to award 20 weeks of benefits to all minors who have early stage black lung. This will help them seek treatment and prevent the disease from advancing. The bill also addresses treatment, 
requiring insurance providers to award 25% partial disability to any minor who has progressed to having complicated black lung. This will provide the minor with benefits and an annual visit for medically necessary follow-up care. The Senate passed Senate Resolution 53 today recognizing the recent increase in black lung cases in West Virginia. Several sen senators stood with remarks of support of Senate Bill 260, beginning with Senator Ron Stallings, lead sponsor of the bill. As a physician and, uh, and a geriatrician, I see a lot of uh, minors and retired minors and uh, they have trouble breathing. Uh, we uh, are seeing an increase in black lung and an increase in massive pulmonary fibrosis. Uh, what turns out that basically we're not looking at the x-ray anymore as a reason for an award. It's just based on the, what's called the FVC force vital capacity or the FEV1 which is the amount of air comes out of your lungs in the first second, or a ratio, or diffusion studies. And a lot of that is measures obstructive airway disease more than restrictive airway disease, which is what black lung is. I have black lung. I've had about 15 years, I guess. I was, it's been 15 years since I was diagnosed with it. And I can tell you it's not, uh, it's not fun. Uh, I mean, I'm still, you know, basically what you would call the early stages, but I know I have grandchildren now, and I know just as something as simple, just, you know, a few weeks ago, I went sled riding with them, and, uh, you know, it's, it's an awful feeling not, not to be able to, have, be able to get, get the air you need, and uh, it's a terrible disease. Dozens of minors and family members came to the Capitol to rally support for Senate Bill 260 and the equivalent in the House, House Bill 2833, and to receive Senate recognition for their struggle with black lung, which is affecting ever younger minors. Look at the young people now, I think they say five years, the younger people getting it within five years. So if it's getting it that fast, some of them young men probably 20 or 30 some years old, and they ain't got no future to look to if we can't catch it earlier than what we're catching it. So, the, like I say, I'm struggling right now in the breathe. And look at somebody 20 some years old and can't breathe, and they don't have kids and stuff, and they'll sit there and watch their kids in sports and stuff, and they can't get out there and even help them. Or all they can do is just watch. And like I say, the biggest thing I'm worried about within a few more years, I'll probably be on oxygen, so it ain't got nothing to look forward to. Next, a focus on economic development from the local level. The West Virginia Community Development Hub is a nonprofit based in Charleston that's trying to strengthen economic development efforts across the state. Its approach today is based on years of research into why, despite substantial investments and community efforts, West Virginia communities continue to struggle and why the state continues to rank at the bottom of so many quality of life measurements. Roxy Todd spoke with the Hub's executive director, who has some messages for lawmakers to keep in mind this session. The West Virginia Community Development Hub says across the board buy-in is essential. Past research by the Hub shows West Virginia communities have lacked improvement despite an influx of significant investment 
because these smaller towns lack consistency, alignment, and capacity at the local level to take advantage of resources and services. So the Hubs community development model is based on the involvement of key local residents, including representatives of the public, private, and civic sectors. I sat down with Executive Director Stephanie Tyree to learn more. One community where I was just in last week, which is I think a great model of a community that's under major transformation, that's being led by a local community group and a diverse set of community leaders is Princeton in Mercer County. So for the last 10 or more years, there's been a project in Princeton called the Princeton Renaissance Project that's been focused on revitalizing their downtown Main Street, bringing in new businesses to vacant buildings, and to growing an arts community. They've invested in that as one of the transition opportunities for their region. But they also recognize that they have to bring in all new types of businesses. So they're really looking at how do they layer in all types of potential industries while really concentrating on this arts as a transformational impact. So what about outside West Virginia? Are there examples that you've seen that might help us think about what's next here in West Virginia? So a couple years ago I had the opportunity to travel with a group of leaders from Central Appalachia and we went and visited coal mining regions in Germany and looked at how economic transition had been undertaken there. There were some interesting models that I saw over there, some of which I think are relevant to West Virginia, and some of which gave me good lessons about the increased investment that we're going to need in order to really help communities grow and transform um, in the state. In the rural region, there has been a successful transition from the coal economy and the coal mining in that region has mostly stopped and they had a three-part way of moving forward and diversifying their economy. First they had significant investment from public and private sectors. So they had almost 20 million dollars invested in one town that we were in from the public sector and $100 million invested from the private sector. So that's a level of investment. We're talking about if that much money was invested in a town like Charleston, you know, or a town like Morgantown. Um, what we see right now is that there is investment coming into the region, but it is in no way at that level. Here in West Virginia, there's investment, but it's not at the level that you saw in Germany. Yeah, we're seeing investment coming into West Virginia, into Central Appalachia, and that investment is important and needed and can lead to transformations, but it's not at the level that they had in Germany, and I think it's not at the level that we need and that we should expect to see in order to move forward our economy. They also had a commitment to transitioning the people working in the industry. And so this is something that is about real leadership. So they made a commitment that every miner was moved into a job, a new job or into retirement. And that's, I think if you had that kind of commitment to an industry that's going through a transition, that would have a transformational impact on how people feel about that transition. But the third thing and an equally critical thing was that they really recognize that it's a cultural shift too. And so there was leadership around being willing to talk about how the region 
traditionally was seen as a certain thing and was under transition and that was okay. And people felt like they could undertake that transition. There was leadership from elected officials in bringing community members together in an engagement process to talk about what that future looked like and what they wanted to build together. And so that kind of brings us to state-sponsored programs. Let's talk about what the legislature could do this session. So there's a lot of issues that the legislature could work on that would be very impactful for community development and for the communities that we work on. One of the key issues that we see as a need and a challenge in every single community in West Virginia is vacant and dilapidated buildings. It's also an issue where we have seen bipartisan support in the legislature and we've seen leadership um, over multiple years from both parties in both chambers. So there's a real commitment, I think, to address this challenge, but it's a multi-layered challenge that's going to take a level of energy and uh, leadership that it hasn't yet received. Looking at tax policy around dilapidated buildings isn't always the most exciting or interesting topic, and so it sometimes sort of falls under the radar during the legislative session. But we think it is a topic and an issue that could have a transformational impact on communities. There's a group that we work with called the Abandoned Properties Coalition that each year puts forward a series of proposals on how the legislature can address abandoned dilapidated properties. So I would hope that the legislature would look into those policies this year and take some leadership on the issue. Well, thanks for chatting with me today, Stephanie. Thanks for inviting me, Roxy. As Tourism Day is celebrated here at the Capitol today, our next story takes a look at a video game that tourism officials believe will make a positive impact in getting visitors to West Virginia. By now, you may have heard of Fallout 76, the latest in a series of popular video games. It was released last fall with much fun fanfare by the governor and the West Virginia Division of Tourism. Liz McCormick brings us this special look inside the video game. So this is John Barton. He's a lifelong West Virginian from Gilmer County, a husband and father of three boys, a writer, former teacher, and an avid gamer. John's written stories about the new Fallout 76 video game for online news outlets like West Virginia Explorer and 100 Days in Appalachia. And he remembers the moment he saw the first Fallout 76 teaser trailer last spring. First you hear Almost Heaven, West Virginia and you hear, you know, that playing, and Take Me Home Country Roads just coming through, and everybody's like, oh, is it in West Virginia? Whereas everybody from West Virginia is going, oh my God, it's in West Virginia. Where else are you gonna play that from? So there's a lot of speculation happening, you know, on the internet, but everybody local was, did they base this here, really? We both know why you're here, and that's to talk about the next Fallout. It was officially confirmed at the 2018 Electronic Entertainment Expo, or E3, that the game would be taking place in West Virginia and be a prequel to the family of popular Fallout video games that started in the late 1990s. The Fallout gaming universe is set in post-apocalyptic times with cyberpunk and retro-futuristic art and style. The storyline for Fallout 76 takes place 25 years after nuclear war consumes the United States. And the goal of the game is to reclaim the land, starting with West Virginia. 
Fallout 76 is the first in the series to be played entirely online and alongside other players in real time. It also features the largest in-game map ever seen in a Fallout video game. That map features six expansive regions based on actual West Virginia landmarks, towns, and history. John says developers did an amazing job gathering both big and small details about West Virginia history and current events, and then adding a science fiction twist. But there are little pop-ups and mentions of things and just stories that tie into it. Um, the super mutants popping up and their story about how uh, West Tech had poisoned a water supply in an experiment near Huntersville. Sounds an awful lot like the Freedom Industry spill. And you see current events tied into it that way. It mentions Charleston and describes Charleston as being where a lot of labor protest took place. And you start wondering if they were talking about the unions from long ago or the teacher strike from this past year. There are nods to the mine wars and coal mining. Landmarks like the New River Gorge Bridge, the Capitol Building, John Brown's Fort, West Virginia University's Woodburn Hall, and the Greenbrier Resort. Players can explore Charleston, Beckley, and Harper's Ferry. And there are monsters in the game pulled straight out of West Virginia folklore, like the Flatwoods and Grafton Monsters and the Mothman. You had to get the state on a deep personal level. Like there were things that had to make sense to you in order to try to portray that view of West Virginia. That's what got my interest. The game also caught the interest of Governor Jim Justice, who announced in October a partnership between West Virginia Tourism and developers of the game, Bethesda Game Studios, headquartered in Maryland, as a way to both promote the game and also promote the state. The West Virginia Tourism Office held events leading up to the game's launch in November. The office has released articles online pointing out landmarks and lore and created an interactive map of in-game locations. But since the game's release, reviews have been mixed. Many players have cited major glitches, issues with game mechanics, and have even argued the game is boring and has no storyline. Fallout 76 even dropped in price due to poor ratings. Bethesda Game Studios has released statements saying they are committed to improving the game going forward through system updates and bug fixes. But many West Virginia gamers, like John Barton, still argue positively for the game, for its beauty, attention to detail and state history, and its expansive map, believing the game showcases West Virginia in a unique and never-before-seen way. For the Legislature Today, I'm Liz McCormick. The latest update to the video game was made available just yesterday. We did invite Tourism Commissioner Chelsea Ruby to join our program this evening, but she was unable. As we've said, hundreds of teachers rallied here today. Randy Yoey brings us three inspiring personal stories. As hundreds stood and chanted and filled the house rotunda, a still-involved Sharon Spencer deservedly sat and rested on the sidelines. The Title I math instructor at Spring Hill Elementary says after 30 years in the classroom, teaching still never gets old. I love teaching. I love seeing that spark in their eye when they learn something new and it's a challenge and I enjoy it. Having math teachers from the very beginning throughout their career will provide them with the education they need to succeed. But Sharon says what's changed for the worse in her three decades at school 
is the public perception of teachers. Our profession is not respected like it used to be. It used to be that teachers were, you know, that's who you went to, but now they see us in a bad light. Jessica Roberts is a young woman of firsts, first in her family to graduate college, and now in her first year teaching kindergarten at Lincoln County's rural Ranger Elementary. What surprised her after going from student teaching to having her own class? Everything. It's just not the same when you're in the room by yourself. It's just freedom to teach these kids and you really don't realize how much you really are going to love them and they are your kids. Jessica has learned that teachers, especially in kindergarten, mold young minds to prepare for what comes next. In kindergarten we teach them the basis of what it's even like to be in school so they're prepared for what to expect in the future grades and like what school really is and the importance of education and learning. My mom's uh, most recently retired. She taught in, in Mason County Schools. Uh, my, my aunt's still teaching in Mason County Schools. Uh, my other aunt was a teacher for many years as well. My grandmother was a teacher. Perry Casto says it's in his family heritage. After 16 years teaching grade, middle and high school, the front man for funk band the MFB says he brought his alter ego, Uncle Sam, to the teacher strike and his other suit was still in the cleaners. It's a good symbol as well to represent with, with Uncle Sam. So uh, I wore it and uh, I, I'm definitely not regretful for my decision. I'm glad I, I did this. Uh, uh, about uh, halfway through last year, I, I realized that I, it was just more powerful of me being in, 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 in character and, and just being here for people. Just Castro now teaches fifth grade at Cabell County's Explorer Academy. I'm really just getting them prepared um, to take on more responsibility uh, and to you know be able to stand up for themselves and think for themselves. Whether it's 30 years, your first year, or right in between, these teachers all treasure those light bulb moments. When you are working on a math problem that you've been struggling with for a while and finally something clicks and they get it, that is just magical. We were talking about different genres of books and the kids are like, Miss Jessica, are you saying lasagna? And I was like, what? And then when they realized, like, we are talking about genres, they're like, it was like a light bulb and they got it. When the light bulb goes off, not only in them, but sometimes the light bulb goes off on me, too, you know, and I have my aha moments as well. A profession right now directly in the West Virginia spotlight. For the legislature today, I'm Randy Yoey. And this concludes tonight's broadcast. I'm Suzanne Higgins. For everyone here at West Virginia Public Broadcasting, thanks for joining us. Have a great evening.